ministers in the church, and I appreciate David Smith and Cheryl so much, and I appreciate you more than you'll ever know. And then we have Dub and Pam Kerker with us that have done so much for this city. And Mom is with us today, too, and has done so much for this city. She served as a county commissioner, and, and he has been a vital part of Durham for many, many years, pastoring the church and doing some great things with the city government and all of those things. Would you welcome these four people with us today? As Brother Dan said, we are talking about prophecy. Boy, you hear a lot of prophecy today, don't you? What's happening, what's going to happen, and all of these things that's happening. But some of the subjects that we're going to be covering is uh, the Holy Scriptures and the spirit of prophecy. And I, I just love this verse. It's found in, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. It says, the testimony of Jesus Christ is certainly the spirit of of prophecy. Jack Hayford says it this way, the essence of every genuine prophecy is its testimony of Jesus. It's the witness that is born unto him. Uh, the spirit of prophecy and the sufficiency of God's word, the issue of personal prophecy. Had a lady, that may, I guess she's a lady, was a lady, uh, many years ago when I was on Main, Main Street, I was walking down the aisle and she met me. She said, yay! Whoa, wait, you know, somebody says, yay, I want to know what's following, yay. It's like behold in the Bible. Behold! Then you want to know what follows behold, you know. She said, God is calling you to China. Well... I didn't feel like God was called. I don't want to go to China. I didn't want to go to China. I'm not going to China. And so, you know, it's got to, it's got to be some truth, that personal prophecy. And we deal with that. What about personal prophecy? We deal with that. The office of the prophet, the purpose of predictive prophecy. And we see that's happening now. There's some people still saying that Donald Trump is going to be president. I don't know. But one way you can judge prophecy to see if it comes to pass or not. Amen. So these are some things, and I'm not the only one that's going to be teaching Brother Dan, Brother Larry Smith, and uh, Brother Michael, and uh, I think we, Teresa, yeah, is going to be speaking. If you will turn your Bibles with us to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. This is probably one of the best scriptures starting here. And I don't doubt probably that either one of these ministers and others have preached or taught from this first chapter of the book of Joshua. And I want to read nine verses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am given to them, the children of Israel. Let every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon given you, he says, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness to the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the great sea, toward the going down of the sun till shall your territory be. Verse 5. 
No man shall be able to love this. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, God says to Joshua, his follower, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He says, and he says this several times, be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. He says, don't turn from it to the right hand. Don't turn from it to the left hand, that you may prosper wherever you go. And then in verse 8, he says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, say that, for then, for then, he says, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Lord, I add your blessings to the reading of your word. Speak to our hearts today. Encourage every man, every woman, every young person, every family as we approach and come into this new year. As Brother Matt was talking earlier, give us that hope and that faith and that courage as we go forth. In Christ's name, amen. Just before 5 o'clock on the afternoon of April the 12th, 1945, Franklin Delano Roosevelt's great heart stopped. FDR was the victim of a cerebral hemorrhage. About one hour later, the news broke around the world. The man who had been president of the United States for the past 12 years was dead. In Berlin, an ecstatic Joseph Goebbels telephoned Adolf Hitler and proclaimed that this piece of good news could be the turning point in the war. Many others around the world worried that such prediction would be Correct. For suddenly, Harry S. Truman was president, but hardly anyone had any idea who he was. Truman had been vice president for only 82 days before FDR's sudden death. All most people knew about Harry Truman was that he was a largely uneducated former uh, Haberdasser, I don't know what that is, I should have looked it up. From Independence, Missouri. He was untried, unknown, untested on the world stage. And yet now he was in charge of a full-scale war in the Pacific and in Europe. As Donald McLaughlin notes, when he became president, Truman had no experience in foreign relations did not know Churchill or Stalin, didn't know his own Secretary of State, had never been told a whisper about the development of the nuclear bomb. And above all, he was not Franklin Roosevelt. And most Americans could not imagine anyone else occupying the Oval 
office. Upon hearing that President Roosevelt was dead, a stunned Harry Truman said to Eleanor Roosevelt, is there anything I can do for you? Ms. Roosevelt replied, is there anything I can do for you? You're the one in trouble now. And so he was. <clears throat> of course, we now have the luxury of looking back and knowing that old Harry Truman did just fine as president. But how scary and uncertain it was at first, for it was a moment of high human drama. The Nazis' menace had still, was still alive. The war with Japan was taking a horrible, bloody toll. And so as the unknown man stepped into the White House, the entire world held its breath. What would be next? And the book of Joshua and the death of Moses causes us, caused, caused them at that time to ask the same questions. God said to Joshua, Moses is dead. That was pretty <laughs> plain that Moses had died. But that's more than that. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? I want you to notice several things. I hope you can have an outline of the sermon. If you don't, where's our guys at? I hope that you will have one. I want everyone to have an outline of the sermon. We, allow the, we have those on the table so you can get those. We don't pass the plates and we don't get these out unless you want one. But I want you to have one. If you'll take one, lift your hand and Brother Chip will make sure that you get one. The phrase crossover appears 48 times in the Bible. This idea is woven like a thread through the fabric of Scripture. Jesus Christ himself used this when he challenged his disciples to cross over to the other side of the lake. There are times in our lives that cause us all to be crossover people. Now, I'm going to find out this morning, and, and, and I believe through the Scripture, I'm going to find out, are you a crossover person? The new year provides us with a crossover moment. It affords us with great opportunities, and I believe that today. I believe this morning as we have approached this new year and going into 2021, there are going to be many, many opportunities for the church, for the church. I'm not saying that as a prophetic word. I'm just saying I believe the word of God is true today and we can stand on his word and we have some great things ahead of us. Notice we have be flexible. I believe crossover people, in order for us to be that, we must, number one, be flexible. Number two, we must be focused Number three, we must be faithful. And number four, we must be fearless. First of all, the children of Israel for three days, three days, had stood on the bank of the Jordan and looked over into the promised land, into the promised land. And then all of a sudden, or then God spoke, to Joshua and the leaders of the children of Israel and said, hey, it's time to go over. I'm here to tell us today in 2021, it's time to go over more than just a year. It's time for us to go over doing what God Almighty has called us and desire, desires for us to be. Notice with me, if you will, the children of Israel knew that crossing the river would mean a change 
from everything they had ever known. Forty years they had been wandering, the older generation which had died out. They had been wandering in the wilderness, but now it's time for change. There's something about us and man, we don't like to change, especially churches. We don't like to change. John Maxwell said it this way, people change when they, three things. People change when they hurt bad enough, they have to. Number two, when they learn enough, they want to. And number three, when they receive enough, they're able to. We don't like change. Perhaps this fear of the unknown feeds the resistance to change as much as anything. Now, when you look back at the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ, he was, I believe, the consummate change agent. In fact, that's the reason they did not like him. Because they were rooted and grounded in the law. They were rooted and grounded in their traditions. And they did not want to change. But he changed the day. He changed the year. He changed the way they worshipped. And they could not handle that. The first characteristics of crossover people is that they are not afraid to change. And I pray as we have come into this new year that you and I will be open for what God wants. What does God want me to do? What change must I make in order for me not only to be successful, but for me also to be obedient to the Lord? Joshua 3 and 4 puts it this way. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it. And he's talking about now I'll get to that. He's talking about the Ark of the Covenant. That you may know the way which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. 2021 is an unbeaten path. We've never been here before. And we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. He takes care of us. He takes care of you and I. And we don't have to see every step that we're going to take because he certainly takes care of us. First of all, we must be flexible. We must be people that are willing to change, to adjust ourselves to what God wants. People don't like to change, as I said. Second of all, we must be focused. Now, God had spoke to Joshua and the leaders and said, the ark must go before you. The priest must put their feet in the water in order for it to divide in order for you to go over. But there was a space between the ark and a space there of about a football field. Now someone said uh, three football fields. I don't know how far it was. But they were not supposed to follow close behind certainly the ark. The Israelites were to keep their eyes on the ark and follow it through the Jordan into their new beginning. What is the ark? And there have been many move, uh, movies made uh, concerning the ark of the covenant. The ark was an oblong wooden box. You have it on your notes. Overlaid with solid gold with two golden cherubim on the top. And it contained the tablets of the law and a pot of manna and Aaron's rod that budded. 
the ark representing God's presence. And it went before them. Now I can see some people that didn't want to change. You know what led them before? 40 years, fire, and a cloud. And I can see the husband saying, Molly, is he asking us to follow that box? We've had the fire and the cloud for 40 years. Now he's asking us to change. We're going to follow this wooden box. Yep. It's time to change from the fire and the cloud to the ark of the covenant. If you notice, the ark was a type, a foreshadow, a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were to keep their eyes on that ark. And you and I are to keep our eyes on Christ as he leads us through 2021. Amen? And anything and everything will come our way to stop us from stop you and I from certainly being focused. We are not to allow things or even people to get between us and the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark 4.19 And the cares, listen at it, and the cares of this world. This is about the sowing of the seed. It's a great parable. But at the end of it, in the cares of this world, Jesus said, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering choke the word and, be, and it becomes unfruitful. I wanted to read that with the Amplified. I don't think I gave it to the uh, sound booth. But here, listen to this. It says, but the worries and cares of the world, the distraction of this age with its worldly pleasure and the deceitfulness and the false security of glamour, of wealth or fame and the passionate desires for all the other things creep in. Notice that word. These things that will distract us and stop us from focusing on the Lord has a way of creeping in. And we don't even notice it. We don't even recognize it. Creep in and choke out the word and it becomes unfruitful. You know, Peter, the apostle, the apostle Peter, he walked on the water as long as he stayed focused. He didn't sink. Can you imagine, can you imagine walking on the water? He did. But once he noticed the waves and he noticed all the storm around him, he got his eyes off the Lord and he started sinking. I don't want to sink in the year of 2021. I want to stay afloat. I want to be an instrument, certainly, that God all mighty can use so he may change God may change some way you, ways you do things but if he goes from the fire and the cloud to the ark do it because you'll be successful if you will number one we must be flexible number two we must be focused and then we must be faithful look at Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5 and Joshua said to the people you don't hear this word much. You don't hear this word much. Sanctify 
yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That word sanctify means to consecrate yourselves. It's time for the church to think and talk and live a little bit about sanctification. Now, as a Pentecostal, I came up and we used to testify, I'm glad I'm saved, I'm glad I'm sanctified, and I'm glad I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, we don't necessarily say it that way today, but I'll tell you what, it's time for the church to live a sanctified life. Amen? As we enter in a new year, there is a call to commit ourselves, and just, I love this statement, number one under number three, to stay pure in mind, pure in motives, and pure in morals. Now, the process of sanctification in the Bible is both positional and progressive. That means when you get saved, God starts cleaning you up. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Somebody say amen. I love the thought of the church committing itself to sanctification and being clean. The Bible says for you and I, you and I to sanctify ourselves. That means if there's something you're doing that you need to change, pray about it and, and sanctify yourself. Stay. The Bible says guard your eyes. If there's an old lustful spirit hanging around, do things that will cut it off. Stop viewing certain programs and watching so much television and listening to the things of the world. The Bible says, sanctify yourself and he will sanctify you wholly. A little quiet in here right now, but I, I think we need to set ourselves apart. Amen? It's time for the church to be washed, cleansed from sin, it's time for the church to be sanctified, set apart from the world, set apart to God. That's two, two ways we need to do Set apart from the world and set apart certainly for the use and to God. It's time for the church to live a life of justification, total accepted of the Lord in his sight. Listen to what 1 Corinthians said, 16 11. And such were some of you, Paul said to the church at Corinth. But you were what? Washed. But you were what? Sanctified. But you were what? Justified. I love those three words. And this word sanctification here in the Greek means to be set apart. Are there things in your life that you need to be set apart from? Are the things that God wants you to do you need to be set apart to? It's one thing to be set apart and sanctified here, away from all the sin and ungodliness. You know, it's even hard to tell the church from the world today. It is. We go to the same places, listen to the same music, watch the same programs, doing things that we ought not to do. God help us. Don't you get mad at me. It's important that we live a sanctified life. The new year affords us a new and fresh opportunity to set ourselves apart from the world and recommit ourselves to Christ in faithfulness. 
The first thing we need to do, we need to be flexible. The second thing we need is to be focused. The third thing is to be faithful. Be a people that's prepared and ready for God to use a holy vessel. Amen? You don't hear that word much anymore. Holy, 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 holy. It's time for the church to live that holy life through and by the blood of Jesus Christ, through and by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and through and by the Spirit of the Lord. That's the way you live a holy, sanctified life. You can't do that in yourself. I never have seen a peach tree trying to bear fruit. He just bears it. He don't stand out there and grunt and groan and groan. Oh, apple tree, all these fruit-bearing uh, trees, they just bear fruit. And God wants us to bear fruit, Amen. Not only that, but we are to be fearless. Joshua's fearless leadership became contagious, and the people followed him. Joshua 3 and 7, look at it. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, and that, that they may... Uh, let me back up and punt. That you, in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. And I believe that today. doesn't matter. It's important that the leadership, first of all, step into the water. We need good leadership. Joshua's fearless leadership impressed. It was the leaders who were the first to put their feet in the water. Many never cross over into new beginnings due to the failure of leaders who are constantly reactive and seldom proactive. Can I get an amen? We need leaders to take the leadership role and stand up and be counted. Now, they're going to be attacked by the devil because the enemy wants to destroy. He wants to destroy the leadership. But leaders need to stay on their face and pray and know that God has put them in that position. And, and we're going to be required of that when we face God, the leadership. Many say, Lord, just let those waters part and then I'll step in. You may not see them part until you step in. We're wanting to see with the natural. We're wanting to feel with the natural. But there are things that God wants us to do that he wants us to step out in faith. The new beginning journey will be through faith, number one. Number two, through trust in God, even when you cannot see. Fearless. God, give us a, a church that's not afraid of the world. That's not afraid of the devil. That's not afraid of demonic activity. Amen. The early church was that way. Listen to what Acts says. Verse 4 and 20, 29 through 31. And now look on their threats. This is after they had been, this is after the disciples had been beaten, arrested and beaten, and then turned loose. And listen to what they said when they were turned loose. Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all, say all, all boldness that they may speak your word. Oh God. By stretching out your hand to heal 
and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And then verse 31 says it this way, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God with what? Now these people have been baptized with the Holy Spirit. But they were filled. So number one, we need to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Someone asked me some time ago, what's the difference between the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit? No difference. He'll fill you, baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost. But he also will refill you. Paul said in Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit. And the church, in order for it to be filled with boldness, needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be flexible. I feel like David Jeremiah this morning. Be flexible, be focused, be faithful, and be fearless. Father, we thank you for your precious anointing today. Your word that challenges us. God, if we're so stubborn, we're not willing to change, help us. Help us to be willing to be open to what you want to do in our lives. And help us, dear God, as your people, that we will be willing to stay focused. That we will not be distracted disciples. Help me not to be a distracted disciple disciple but may I keep my eyes on you and dear God help us to be faithful Lord I pray for a church that's pure and holy that's had our garments washed in the blood of Jesus without spot and without wrinkle and God I pray that there would be an infusion of of boldness as the early church was willing even in the midst of persecution to step out and to be bold I pray for that in Jesus name